How are you doing? Good. Beautiful. It's good to be with you. It's good to worship with you. Um, when I extend a welcome to you, St. Andrews is a community that is centered in Jesus. Uh, everything that happens here is because of Jesus. And uh, it's a joy to reflect on the character of Jesus and how that informs what we do and how we live our lives together. And we're going to continue now in a series that we've been doing, uh, a series, I love the name of the series, which is Open Table. Um, And it's really an invitation to think about our hospitality. Um, Today, we go all the way back uh, to begin where we should begin, to begin in the beginning to begin to reflect on God's hospitality towards us, the ways in which the character of God and uh, who he is, who the Father is, who the Son is, and who the Holy Spirit is, collectively provide a place of hospitality for each and every living person. And it's a joy that when we sing together, when we pray together, that when we gather together, what we're doing is really to experience the sweet presence and hospitality of Jesus um, that he provided for us and shows us how to live into. And so uh, before we get started, would you just pray with me and then we'll dive into God's word. Merciful, loving Father, we gather in this space because we want to know you more. Jesus, who is the living word, would you give us all that we would need? Would you teach us how to love Holy Spirit, would you fall afresh on us to do the work that you have come to do in the life of the church, to bring us together, to help us understand what is possible in life with you, to empower and to equip us so that we might live for you and bring glory to you. In your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Would you turn with me to the opening page of your Bible in Genesis chapter 1? And we're going to read Genesis 1 verses, verse 26, and then we're going to hop over, and we're going to then be in chapter 2, and we'll pick up in verse 7. This is what Genesis 1, 26 says. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over 
the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move on the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the trees of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are there as well. The name of the second river is Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Ashur. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. It's important, I think, for us, uh, as we think about an open table, to uh, go all the way back to the beginning and to think about the character of God. What is your image of who God is? When you think about God in your mind, what comes to mind? We just read that, that God made humanity in our image in our likeness, this word here for God is Elohim, and that's a plural word. So when we think about God, did we think about the Trinity? Did we think about how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were there at the beginning, and when they made humanity, and they made humanity in their likeness, that they, they did it as a divine community? Or do we think of one aspect of the Trinity and think that's what we were made in the likeness of? I want to show you a picture that has helped many Christians in, throughout the tradition since it was made to understand the Trinity a little bit better. This is one of the most famous paintings in all of the history of art. This is a, a painting by a Russian painter named Rublev, and it, it is in an icon. And really, some people get a little worried about icons, but icons were made because if you think, a long time ago, lots of people weren't able to read. And so, how would people understand the story of scripture? Well, an icon is like a children's Bible. It's pictures that help tell a story. They actually say that icons are actually written, they're not so much painted. 
And so this picture, this icon, has two names. I'm gonna share the first name with you now, and then I'll share the second name with you later. The first name is the Trinity. And uh, the genius, one of the genius of this painting is that you can see that there is a circular movement to this painting, that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are there, and they're sharing a presence. They're with each other, and, and the circle, actually, our, our uh, criticism and commentary describes that this circle actually helps you to draw your eye to the negative blank space. Do you see what's in the negative blank space there? It's a cup. And so the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are there as the Trinity. They're sharing community with one another. And then in the middle of that, we see that it is communion. That they're celebrating a silent communion with one another. What does it mean that each and every person in this room was made in the image of the Trinity? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, often we get to think, right, if we separate these three out, it might go something like this. I'm just going to take an attempt. Okay, that, that God is like the really scary God that we have to act rightly in order to appease if we separate it out. And so some of us make our image in that God. And we think that we have a God of right behaviors. That's looking down and saying, if you do the right things, you're good. If you do the wrong things, that you're out. Or we may think, uh, actually, no, uh, I'm made in the image of just Jesus. And, and if we're not careful, Jesus can become more like Mr. Rogers, can be weak and nice and always passive and kind of giving everybody what they want or would need, no real form or sense of self. Or then we got the Holy Spirit, right, which is the wild card. Those are kind of the kooky people uh, that make us nervous and act ways that normal people wouldn't always act. And so based off of our tradition and where we come from, uh, we can think, okay, what is my God concept? When I think of who God is, what do I think of? And how does it help us then to think of God as community working together to make sense a little better of who we are and what we were made to do and be in the world? This isn't something that uh, is just Peter's idea. I really want you to get that. You know, the, the Trinity is always a little bit of, of a mystery for all of us, but it was something that the early church thought was incredibly important. As you, as you can see, we see illusions of it in Genesis, but as we move towards the New Testament, we can think of the beginning of the Gospel of John, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. 
meaning that Jesus, the divine incarnate word, was with God at the beginning of creation. That's an echo of what we see here in Genesis. Or if we we think of when uh, Jesus was crucified, and then then, uh, tradition tells us, right, that, that he took on all the sins of the world, Not only that, he descended into Hades and he purchased life for each and every one of us. And when he resurrected on that third day, what was his first words? Peace be with you. And he was mistaken for a gardener. And this is a movement of Jesus, the new Adam, pointing all the way back to Genesis again. Now, the early church thought that this was so important, and there was different ideas and different God concepts that were going all over the place by about 300 years into the the early church. And so they held a council (laughs) that created the Nicene Creed. And the Nicene Creed is the oldest creed that the church has beyond the scriptures. And that creed, I'm going to read it to you, uh, has a real focus and intention on the Trinity. I don't think you're going to recognize every word here, but you're going to hear, listen for how they cared about the Trinity. It says this, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us men for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and the giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son and who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified who spoke by the prophets. And I believe one holy, catholic, and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Can you see the Trinitarian language here? It was so important for this church to name how these three could live and work in relationship with one another. This image was such a powerful picture for the first listeners because in their culture, there was kings 
who said that they were the ones who were made in the image of God. And they used that place, that authority, and they said, because I'm the one who's made in the image of God, you will listen to my authority. And yet the writers of Scripture, right, they sat down and they said, no, 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 no. This image of God is for each and every living person. And it's not for other creatures in creation. The trees and the dogs and the animals and the plants, they have their role. But we have a unique role. Each and every person to mirror the image of God. To represent God in our world. And so let me tell you what the other name of this icon is. We can bring it up again. The other name is called the Hospitality of Abraham. Because even though Rublev chose to leave Abraham out of the picture... Really, he's trying to tell the gospel, I mean, excuse me, the story from Genesis of Abraham. You may remember the story, maybe you don't. This is a story of when three strangers were walking by Abraham's house. And he said, would you come in? And would you receive hospitality? And he cooked them a meal together. And over their time sharing in their community together, there then one of them spoke to Abraham and told him God's will for Abraham's life. That even though Sarah was barren, that they would have a child and that Abraham would become the father of many nations. Doesn't that echo what we saw as God took the dust of the earth, the dry, lifeless dust, and breathed his breath of life on it? And out of the nothingness, there was humanity. Out of the barrenness, because of the divine hospitality, there was life possible. You are made to carry this divine image, this image of an open table of hospitality, where you welcome someone into your garden is the place where you may discover, like Abraham did, your mission and calling in life. I want you to think about a time where you experienced true hospitality. Is there someone along life's journey that welcomed you into their house that invited you into their garden 
And what did it do for you? How did it influence you? How did it bless you? What did you learn from that experience? I can remember uh, being a young man, kind of really going through a major identity shift, depressed as my baseball dreams had died, and headed off to Anchorage, Alaska to run a youth camp for some kids that were in high school that were helping these uh, young kids that were kicked out of the bush in Anchorage, Alaska and living homeless on the streets of Anchorage. And that whole summer, there was a pastor there of the congregational church that welcomed us into his house. He cooked us food. He showed us movies. He encouraged us. He told us stories about uh, the, the bear that attacked a moose in his backyard. And he looked at us young 20-somethings, really not behaving the way we should to be in charge, and yet we were. And he loved us, and he cared for us, and he created the context for us to love and care for other people. If you're made in this image, then in ways perhaps that we need to begin to find in alignment with God, we need to learn how to host this open table and to invite those who have yet to understand that they too were made in the image of God, that they too are the beloved of God, to come in. And that invitation has made the difference for me and for many of us. And so I pray that as we take communion today, that it will cultivate in us a spirit of hospitality and love. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you that, that you welcomed us in, Lord Jesus, that you by your love and sacrifice have made a way for us to be with you at the table, to recline, to rest, to lay down all that we've brought into this space and instead take up all that you provide this wonderful meal that is only possible because of you. Fill our hearts with gratitude. Help those who haven't understood it yet to begin to see its true meaning. Help us, help me now to invite those who really need to come so that they may be filled full of this experience of welcome and joy and comfort 
in being with you. We pray all this in your precious and holy name. Amen.